So the third Maxi I got to say I ever met was Michael Saylor. We had breakfast with the, uh, the president of Madeira, Miguel, myself, Daniel Prince, Andre, and Miguel's entourage. Saylor turned up a few minutes late, sat down, and then he went straight in with his laser-eyed, orange-pilling masterclass <laughs> for about 45 minutes. So yeah, that was, that was quite an introduction to meeting proper Maxis. Then knowing, knowing that we were going to go to the podcast together, and the rhyme about South Park, I was a bit tired. I was like, oh, I'm going to finally get into catching up. Yeah, the other podcasts, people read up on the macro situation. And I need to read yeah, up, I need to catch for up this on the one, situation. For this one, you need to catch up on uh, South Park. And this monarchy would have, would only, it's, it's more of a caretaker of customs and traditions. And it acts as that continuity and unity of people. Because people at the end of the day, if you're just left to, I, I believe that if you're just left to just pure volunteerism over time, people might end up losing their, uh, their identity over time. And I think people like that identity. That's what brings people together. Before we dive into the show, we'd just like to mention a couple of our show's sponsors, things that we care about and that we think are useful to Bitcoiners all over. So first up is the Orange Pill app. Download the Orange Pill app today from the orangepillapp.com. Yeah, Orange Pill app. Woo! Rocket ship, get on board. It's available for iOS and Android. Stack friends and meet like-minded people near you. Connect with your favorite Bitcoiners and speed up hyper-Bitcoinization. We're really excited about the Orange Pill app and its potential to connect Bitcoiners in their local area. Download the Orange Pill app. It's not a dating app, but you can use it for dating. Download now. Next up is Wasabi Wallet. It's a great desktop wallet that has privacy by default and CoinJoin built in. It recycles your UTXOs around so that no one knows who you are after it's done the process. Check out wasabiwallet.io. Make sure that that's the actual link you check out because there are scammers out there who want to steal your Bitcoin. But it works in the background. Tor is built in. And when you send coins to it, the coins you take out are private. So download Wasabi Wallet today. I'm wearing these shades in tribute to Wasabi Wallet because your OPSEC is important. So I'm totally anonymous now, just so you know. Hello and welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. We are concerned about your freedom footprint and want to help you to spread as much freedom dioxide as possible. I'm your host, Luke the Pseudofin, and I'm here as always with Knut Svartholm. Good afternoon, Knut. Good afternoon, Luke. Good to see you. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're back from our Christmas break and into a new run of recording. I'm super excited. We have a great guest with us today as well. You want to uh, introduce him? Yeah. Today we have my dear friend, Prince Philip of Serbia. I'm looking forward a lot to this one. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Philip. Uh, Yeah, we, we spent quite a lot of time together this last year. Uh, we ended up in four conferences together. Is that in, was it four? I think it's four. First yeah, in Miami and then Riga and then Amsterdam and then Prague, right? And then Prague, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you've been doing a lot more traveling than that. I have been actually, yeah. Well, I've got to say Miami was my first ever Bitcoin conference. Yeah, you had just recently before that come out of the closet. Uh, you were closet I, Bitcoiner before yeah, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I came out in March this year, uh, last year, I should say. Sorry, I'm still, yeah. March last year, when my wife and I were invited on to the Ivan Ivanovich show, which is an evening show in Serbia, which is the biggest sort of talk show, evening show in, in Serbia, like the Saturday Night Live equivalent. And my wife and I, uh, we were invited. We met with the host a few nights before, got to know him better. He lives on our road, which was really quite, was quite nice. And uh, he found out that I'm into Bitcoin. And then on the evening of the recording of the show, I was talking about my work. I was talking quite well. I wasn't very interested about it. And then he just, he knows how to read, read people quite well. He just butted straight in and said, it's now a good time to talk about crypto. And that's when I then went on and said, uh, it's not about crypto. It's all about Bitcoin. And I went for about two or three minutes on Bitcoin. And then that was obviously picked up by the Bitcoin crowd and went viral. And next thing I know, I'm speaking to, uh, People like uh, Safety and Amuse. Uh, it was also my first ever podcast with Daniel Prince. And then I ended up in Miami, invited to Miami, where I met the likes of you. You signed a book for me, which was great. You said, so I remember the signature was, uh, the note was, uh, some emperors do wear clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed I, you wore clothes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's either that, or I'm completely, you know, hypnotized, and it's uh, and you're really naked like everyone else, and I, I just imagine clothes. Who knows? <laughs> no uh, jokes aside. Yeah, that was great domino game of coincidences there going on because it, you flew over with Daniel and the president of Madeira. Correct. And Andre, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, Daniel took me under his wing when I came out. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he As he does. As he does. <laughs> and he introduced me to a lot of nice guys. <laughs> yeah. So I got I I was um got in touch with a lot of a uh, lot of excellent Bitcoiners. And one of them was actually Samson Mao, we can go on to about later. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he introduced me to Andre. Next thing I know, we were uh, with, uh, Daniel managed to get us out to uh, to, to, to Miami. He got us um, free VIP tickets, their well passes, which was fantastic. And myself, Andre, and Daniel shared an Airbnb. And of course, Andre had been doing really good work in orange pilling the president of Madeira, Miguel. And we actually met the first night we went to the FTX stadium. <laughs> Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, the FTX Arena, I should say. The former oh, yeah, FTX yeah. Arena, uh, where Miami Heat plays. And it was Miami Heat, um, Sacramento Kings. Uh, excuse my ignorance, but yeah. is that a hockey team or something? No, it's for, uh, basketball. <laughs> a basketball game. Yeah. Really, uh, yeah. high, really high time preference stuff actually happening on the, on, on the court. You could really see like there's a lot of uh, advertisement, loads of... Uh, those are commercials. There was LGBTQ yeah. flags as well. You know, the whole thing was happening there. It was, but it was fun. We had some free. Uh, we had some. Um, we were in a box, like it, well, like an entertainment area. Had some uh, free drinks and food, some sushi. It was all very fiat and fun, and <laughs> and that's where we got to meet meet Miguel and his uh, his entourage. And the next day, the next morning, was when we had before even heading to. Uh, the Bitcoin conference. At this point, Andre and, and Daniel Prince were the first two maxis I met in person properly. 
Because I've been, I, I became a maxi uh, early, well, I said early that year, no, what was that, 2022? So in 2020, 2021, I, 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 came, I became a maxi as I studied more about Bitcoin. Good year to and, become a maxi. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, sold all my shit coins and became a maxi and was like, yeah, this is, this is amazing. This is incredible. I can't believe this has been sitting you know, under my nose all this time. And, you know, I, I wasn't fully aware of it living in Serbia all this time and not really knowing any other Maxis and still until I finally in, in person met uh, Daniel Prince and Andre. So the third Maxi I got to say I ever met was, uh, was we had breakfast at his house in Miami. It was Michael Saylor. And we had breakfast with the, uh, with the, the president of Madeira, Miguel, myself, Daniel Prince, Andre, and Miguel's entourage. And we sat there in Saylor's Miami villa incredible bill on the beach on Miami beach and amazing breakfast that we were served. Sailor turned up, turned up a few minutes late, sat down. We sort of had a little small talk and then he went straight in with his laser eyed orange pilling masterclass <laughs> for about 45 minutes, just talking straight at the, the presidents. And it was beautiful. I wish I had a recorded. <laughs> So yeah, that was, that was quite an introduction to, to, uh, to, to Miami, to, to, to learn, you know, to, to, to meeting, um, or, um, proper maxis. Then I say, I was at the conference meeting people like you and, and yeah, loads of, loads of great maxis. Nice. Uh, I actually have a story about close, close to that arena, uh, before it was called the FTX arena, because that is where I, uh, uh the, we, we were there with the tall ship. On the other side, that's a bridge right next to it, right? Over to one of those islands. Yes. And, yeah, and that, yeah, that's, that's where we were moored. So I crossed that bridge every day and saw that arena. <laughs> yeah, of course, this was during your sailing days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And found a nice little Peruvian restaurant uh, in which I had lunch a couple of times in the city center, <laughs> which is close to where that thing is. Yeah, that's ceviche, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I've never been to a, uh, a basketball game, but I've been to two NHL games, hockey games, but I had to leave both times because there was too much sound and too much, you know, flashy lights. I couldn't take it. Like everything is sponsored. Every, 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 every second, every minute yeah. there's a stay, stop it and comes out the sponsors, colors, lights, yeah. noises. Flags, yeah. everything. You go, you go to take a leak, and your bathroom break is sponsored by someone. Like everything is sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what I like, uh, I like about football. Um, I gotta say, I do like football. It's probably one of one of my uh, one of my uh, high time preference like uh, um, hobbies. Actually, what's well, a hobby? Pastimes, whatever it is. Uh, but when you go to a football game, there's none of that. And even during the half time, there's little bits of that, but it's really quite dumbed, uh, dumbed down in the UK and, and in Serbia, even less, even, even less so. So it's, it's great. But yeah, you go to America and everything is ram packed with, with any opportunity to, uh, to, to, to fiat basically. Yeah. And then you went back to Sailor's House later that week. And I think that's where we met. Oh, did we met? Did we did meet we earlier? Met? No, we met before that. We, we met, met before. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Way before that. We went to the conference, of course, and, uh, on that rooftop in that, uh, the, uh, the swan party. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, but then we ended up at Sailor's barbecue 
Uh, yeah, and we sh- sh- share the Wagyu steak there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. He was, he was, he was uh, yes, Wagyu steak and Wagyu burgers. Well, I remember when yeah. then I said, can I have a burger without the, the Wagyu burger without the, without the buns? It was fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned Samson. You're, you're working for him at the moment, right? Or with him, probably so, a better description. Yeah. When I caught, when uh, I was speaking to Daniel Prince of pre Miami, I was he introduced me to Samson, saying that Samson's going on stage. You know, do you know about him? I was like, yeah, I've heard about him. And he goes, well, he's uh, he's going on stage. He's into nation state adoption, and so he he said, well, maybe Samson might like to have you on on his stage at one point. Um, I was like, that's great. I'll put you in touch. So he put me in touch. So I had a conversation with Samson, and when he uh, when we spoke, he he mentioned that he's starting a new company. And that, you know, he asked me if I, if, if I would be interested and I was like, yeah, I didn't think much of it. And that's, that was as far as we went on the, on the tele- telephone conversation. Then we met in person in Miami and he, within a few minutes of speaking to me, says, I'm opening, re- I'm recruiting you, Philip. Do you want to join my new company, Jan 3, which I'm going to announce soon? I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I didn't really think about it, but yeah, Samson Mao offering you a job like that, me wanting to get into, into a full-time Bitcoin job and leave my fiat finance job that's yeah i couldn't say no so and it was to do with nation state adoption and um and pushing forward bitcoin technology around around the world accelerating hyper victimization so it was it was it was fantastic to have that job offer fantastic um uh d- describe what jan 3 does in the in a nutshell, it's a Bitcoin technologies company that's aiming to uh, spread Bitcoin technology around the world and, and accelerate hyper-Bitcoinization with an aim also for nation-state adoption. Uh, we will be releasing Afro Wallet, which is a wallet that Samsung started at Blockstream, and he's going to release it out. We're going to release it in um, in the next few months. It's going to have it's going to be Bitcoin. Bitcoin only, but it's going to have stablecoin USDT, but on liquid on liquid uh, sidechain, which so it's Bitcoin only, and this will be a, an easy. That's because we feel that USDT. I know it's 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 another it's it's uh, it's a stablecoin. Yeah, it's not Bitcoin, but it, it does act as a bridge as a uh, as a connector between the the fiat world to to Bitcoin. So it acts as a bridge to getting people or an orange field and makes it easier for people to understand. And that's going to be big in Latin America because in Latin America, they like exposure to the US dollar. It will make it super easy for them to use. We're going to, it's still going to be secure. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be a really, really easy wallet to, to use in Latin America, but also in all rest of the world as well. It's going to be open to everyone, but we're going to be focused on the, on the developing world, the emerging markets. All right. After, I think after Amsterdam, that's when you left for South America, right? Yeah. You went to yeah. adopting Bitcoin and Argentina. We went that to yeah, that's it. we went to uh, La Bitcoin Argentina, which was my first time in Ar- Argentina. First time in, uh, in well, first time in Argentina. First time in Buenos, and that was I didn't speak at the conference, but Samson did, and he had keynotes. But he was also invited. I think this is this is this was great. The conference was a bit shitcoiny. It had a lot of Ethereum guys over there. And Vitalik was there as well. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. He called Vitalik out, right? Yeah, so on stage. It just happened that FTX blew up the day or two before the conference uh, happened. Oh yeah. And so they decided to do a last minute panel 
on to discuss FTX. And they invited Jimmy Song, Samson, and Vitalik and a few other people to, to talk about it. This was on the first day of the last panel. And this, I mean, this was fantastic that they allowed Jimmy Song, Samson, and Vitalik on the stage all at the same time. Wonderful. It, wonderful. And just what happened was that the panel started off with the guy talking about regulations. It was all kind of boring. And it kind of went on to Samson. He gave his overview. And then it went on, went on to becoming more of a Bitcoin v shitcoin <laughs> argument, not talking really about FTX so much. And it was fantastic. Jimmy Song showed a lot of passion and, and basically went, went on about the whole not your keys, not your coins. And that is, this should be lesson learned and stuff. And also went on about, and Samson then took a few, I wouldn't say, that he didn't do direct aims at, at, at Vitalik, but uh, he did. He did say that you know regarding SBF that if uh, people shouldn't be looking up to, to idolizing these autistic type characters who are pretending to be autistic when really were they're not, they end up you know doing doing what SBF does and and losing everyone's money. And while he said this, he was also looking at Vitalik at the same time. Um, when he said this, he got a big round of applause. Even the director of the, uh, of, of the, of the conference, Rodolfo, was clapping as well. They turned on the lights, they put on the, the clapping music, which is like the bass, do, 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 as well. I was clapping. And that was great. There was loads of other great remarks from Samson and Jimmy, and Jimmy's song. Vitalik was just doing a, was just dishing out a lot of word salads. It was, it was terrible. Um, there was a lot of energy on the stage, a lot of cheers. On both sides, it was fantastic. It was the it was the panels and all panels, and yeah, I was so happy to be there. Was, and it was it was beautiful. But then later, a day or two later, there we found the organizer, the conference actually had to send out a press release condemning Samson's remark, autistic remark. When actually Samson didn't call anyone autistic, they said that people should <laughs> stop behaving or like behaving and pretending to be autistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and there's a clip. Of Samson, like Vitalik uh, mentions all the points that w went wrong with the FTX crash, and like, and Samson replies by like, uh, but everything you just said is applicable to Ethereum too. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that that's got to end now. Like, well, there are many gullible people out there, but I sure as hell hope that crypto is not coming back in the way. Like, be because for, for us that were in this, uh, during 17 and, uh, that, that crash, I, I mean, it's, it's, it was just this, this last year is just basically the same thing with other coins. It's exactly. Yeah. And it happened before that too. Like in 13, 14, if you look at the list of all the shit coins, uh, the, the second best crypto and, and so it's, it's the names keep on changing. Well, that was when I first got into it in 2017. I also got distracted by shitcoinery and those ICOs. And I, you know, I got burnt a few times thinking I'll make a quick buck here and there. And it was all, uh, 2017, it was all, all about ICOs. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I made, I made the mistake, but I didn't learn my lesson quite so well. But at least I didn't, I wasn't sold into this whole NFT bullshit for 2021. And by that point, I was by 2020, 2021, I was already transitioning into, into a maxi. So what is the next, what is the 2024, is it 2024, 2025 will be the next, uh, the, the next bull market. 
<laughs> craze. What's yeah. going to be the next thing? It was like ICO is 17, NFT is 21, and uh, what's going to be 25? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If, if history repeats itself, but uh, like George Lucas says, it's it's more like it rhymes that, that it actually yeah. repeats itself. <laughs> uh, no, who knows? That's what, that's what, what that was, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, who wrote? Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, history doesn't rhyme, but history, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. But it rhymes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. George Lucas stole it from Mark stole Twain. <laughs> so Tad better think of than George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Uh, where were we? Yeah, you, then you went to El Salvador. There, there were a lot of videos yes, of you so flying helicopters over vol volcanoes and stuff. Yeah, it was like, quite, the, quite the adventure. So we took a flight. Samson and I took a flight to Panama and in Panama, we got a private, a small little private jet to El Salvador and we landed in El Salvador and Milena Mayorga, the ambassador to, of, of El Salvador to the USA, she greeted us at the airport, landed, got off the plane. I was wearing like a, like a linen suit trying to look all, uh, all dapper and everything. <laughs> And then, and then I, and then I started speaking in Spanish in front of the cameras. And I think it took a few people by surprise that. So I think that El Salvadorians like that I speak through in Spanish. And next thing I know, that was weird. That was us coming off a red eye straight to that and straight to the, our Airbnb and then straight to the conference when I'm on the panel with Milena Mayorga and, and, and some other, some other, oh, God, I completely forgot who else I was on the stage with. That's terrible of me. It was a little bit of a blur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it tends to be when because you're in all these ridiculously adventurous situations. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's all a blur for me too with all the conferences and everyone I've met. Exactly. But, it does, it does, yeah, and then that yeah, evening, but, that evening after the panel, we went straight to do some socializing, and we had to go straight onto live television. Samson and I did a live television with Canal. Yes, I think in, in El Salvador, and that was like a, an hour long interview. Uh, Samson had a, had live uh, like sort of a sinking translator, but I was speaking all in Spanish and stuff. And by that point, I'm super tired, having not slept on the on you know I was on a red eye, not slept at all, <laughs> and my Spanish was getting was getting loose and broken and stuff. But everyone's still understanding me. I was like, yeah, that's great, that's great. So I was encouraged. It was really fun. I mean, that was great. But we had a good dinner afterwards, and then I slept for like twelve hours straight after that. A day or two later, when the conference moved to Bitcoin Beach. At El in El Zonto, we decided to rent a helicopter and fly over El Salvador, fly through some volcanoes that weren't erupting, but were erupting a day or two later. So that was good timing. We flew over the, the location where Bitcoin City is going to be and flew around there and then flew up the coast as the sun was setting, which was beautiful. It felt really proper apocalypse now sort of scene without the, without the bombs going off. And we arrived in El Zonte and the helicopter landed. It was like we landed on a football field as the game was, was happening, which was not great, but it was, it was exciting. Um, and we went to the beach and yeah, it was hot and hot and humid. I was still, I was wearing my linen suit jacket and shorts. <laughs> Big mistake. I took it off. And then we, the next day we went to the lake, we went to, I forget the name of the lake. And we went on the speedboat there and I lost all my Bitcoins. Ah, sad to hear that. Yeah. It happened to me too. So 
where did you go after El Salvador? And then after El Salvador, we finished off in the lake. At, it was a beautiful place that we're staying. And Edwin Rivas, who's, uh, who's our marketing director of El Jan 3, he, his family have a lovely property there and he's El Salvadorian. All right. And then we flew back, I flew back directly back, well, not directly, three, fl- uh, three flights back to Belgrade, to cold right. Belgrade from um, warm, humid, beautiful El Salvador to, to, to very cold, wintry, almost winter Belgrade. It was, uh, it was quite the shock. Oh yeah, that that was around the time that oh, I was in Bulgaria. I think I think we we had some conversation there. Yep, I think uh, we did. Yeah, and then we met in Prague for the Liberty. So before Lifetime that, Conf. yeah. Well, we yeah. met in Riga. The Riga was when when uh, Samson and I was Samson announced my uh, my me, myself joining Dan Three. Yeah, yeah, that's when I met Samson for the first time. Oh, it's or really? where, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I ever have had a conversation with him before. Uh, well, on Twitter, I did. But like, and maybe I met him briefly in Miami, but like, that's the first time I got properly introduced to him. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah now he's on the, uh, Free Madeira advisory board. That's great. Yeah. And which, which you're doing great work on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's quite, quite the team I hear, you know, you have, um, the likes of Jeff Booth, yourself and, uh, Daniel, yeah. Daniel, of course, <laughs> can't forget, I can't and forget. Andrea. The other Prince Andre and uh, Greg Foss as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of others. Who, who shouts, who shouts, who shouts, uh, do the fucking math. <laughs> they do better the fucking than, Better than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time with Greg last year. Uh, four days in a bus in Bulgaria with Greg. I, I was thinking of, of uh, you know, designing a t shirt that said, I survived four days in a bus with Greg Foss. <laughs> I would have been so for the Amsterdam conference. I remember, uh, I think I was in just before Riga. I get the email notification. I say, Oh yeah, we, we, we found out, we found out we're doing with you're you're being invited to the so-and-so panel. And I looked at the panel. It was like okay, moderated by Dylan, Dylan Leclerc. Leclerc. Yeah. Leclerc, Leclerc. And, uh, then it was, uh, um, with uh, Jeff Booth, Greg Foss and Nico Gilles. Like, oh, Nico's oh, great. Nico's yeah, Nico great. went to Austin. Yeah. Fantastic. Nico was in Bulgaria too. And Jeff. Yeah. And Jeff. So yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is like a panel full of heavyweights, like big brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's always the case. You always feel like, and like, like our friend, uh, Nico says, like, if, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and in Bitcoin, you're always in the right room. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's so, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, I had a great, I had a great dinner with, um, with Jeff Booth the night before and he blew. Blew my mind with uh with his uh, take on, on on life on everything basically on on on, on it was I, I I don't know what I listened I don't know what I heard but it was similar to what you wrote about on so um and everything yeah. everything divided by twenty one he was talking about you know the uh, the quantum realm basically yeah 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 we're uh, we've, we've had some conversations about that uh, quite a few conversations actually uh, uh, we get the best insights over Pontius late at night. Uh, and then we met in Prague and I remember Liberty of Lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Liberty in our lifetime. lifetime. In our lifetime. Yeah. In our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had Peter on this show. Uh, when was that show released? Like last week or something? Yeah. Yeah. For some context here, this is actually fantastic. So we've talked to Andre 
so we we did a whole free Madeira thing. Uh, so that was two episodes ago. Then our last one was Peter. So we talked to him all about the Free Cities project, and and so now we're kind of tying it all together. It's awesome to see kind Full of you talking through all this. Uh, yeah, it all kind of connects. Yeah, Peter Young, I met in. I was first introduced to him. He helps Safestein with his podcast, and he helps to to manage that. And yeah, also met with him in um, in Miami as well. And he's doing he does great work with the Free Cities Foundation. So and well, I've been speaking to him about that and wanted to help them out as well with with some of their projects. Well, in Prague, that was my first time in Prague. I always wanted to go, but for some reason, I never went before this. And yeah, what a beautiful city that is! It's uh, my second time. I've been in the airport three times. No, it was in there for the first time. <laughs> I never went to Prague. Second time, I didn't. I stepped into Prague for an afternoon. This time, I actually stepped into Prague. I mean, no, no, no. Actually, stayed the night in Prague, tw- three nights. So that was, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I want. I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, I think I should be going to the Bitcoin conference in Prague in uh, early in mid early mid June. Yeah, so are we. Uh, the Good. the B2C Prague conference. That's it. So don't miss that. That's going to be a great one. Uh, Luckily, the- it's my sister's wedding just before on the week on the third and it's like a weekend or two or the weekend after that so it's perfect timing great uh, me, me and luke are going to uh to see pantera after the uh after the conference are you really going to pantera <laughs> yeah we're they going to metal. <laughs> they're not still around two of them are dead but they they did some really? some sort of like tribute slash reunion thing so the bassist and the singer are still there but what they have the other uh, two guys die well, uh, Dimebag Daryl was shot on stage. Uh, like, oh, crap, yeah, that, like, yeah, that, you remember that? Yeah, damn. Some crazy, some crazy guy just walked up and shot him. It's basically the same thing as Lennon. Like, you broke up Pantera, you asshole. And that's it, that's it with the Pantera. I want to see the album. I remember buying an album when I was like, <laughs> okay, I want to see. Oh, you were a metalhead? A little bit, a little bit. I was more of a rap head. <laughs> but that's the one far beyond driven. I bought that one. I think. Yeah, what a great album! Oh, do you have to come to the concert uh, with us then? It's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll ha- we'll have to we'll have to manage. I, that I always went to my uh, bit of heavy metal. I remember Sepultura. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. Chaos AD was a great album. Uh, I forgot the name of that one. There's one tune, uh, Crystal Mountain or something like that. I remember that. It's just insane. Oh, yeah. Same, yeah. Like, I was just, I was taken back by the drumming in, in, in heavy metal. It's insanely yeah. fast. Yeah. But that was short lived, I gotta say. Then I was more into, more into hip hop after that. Then I became into drum and bass. And then I'm now, I'm more into. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then now, but yeah, yeah, that was short lived as well. But then now I'm into like sort of electronica and techno, but like, I understand that ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent of techno is shit. It's like it's like you know, it's like big, yeah. Uh, or you know, there's that point zero one zero one percent. It's fantastic, and then the rest is shit coins, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we had uh, we have to reintroduce you to the metal scene and go and see Zach Wild and Charlie Benante uh, as stand-ins for Phil and Dime uh, for the Pantera reunion. Do you sing? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to sing along. For sure. <laughs> Five minutes along. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when in Prague, we, I rem- vividly remember us standing outside of the uh, Parallelini police uh, place. Uh, I don't know if I'm pro- uh, pronouncing that correctly, but there's the, 
this really cool cypherpunk place in where, yeah, yeah, the, the, where they're all yeah that's it that's it it yeah. was next to the uh, the barbecue place and then we went in there and we 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 enjoyed we had a good evening and we were talking we remember yes our conversation led us to south park and kirby enthusiasm absolutely yeah uh, yeah we were waiting for a cab i think and yeah and we got into south park and it, it turns out you're a massive south park fan just just yeah, i haven't actually watched anything post uh post 2000 and, or 2018 because things got i got distracted with work and then the the the, the pandemic happened and moved to be- move to belgrade and never really catch up but i've got a lot of catching up to do um but yeah i love south park i thought i think south park there's a lot of good a lot of good social commentary there. A lot of good, a lot of good episodes. Some of it can be a little bit, well, you know, a uh, little bit liberal, uh, liberal, but then a lot of it is is fantastic. Yeah, uh, they they always make fun of both sides. Both of the sides. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Uh, and the 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 joke is the priority at all times. Oh, com- yeah, completely. Yeah. Some so, of my favorite episodes. I mean, things like. Uh, from 2000, was it 2008 was the, or 2007 was, uh, it, Imagination Land. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a trilogy. And if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it instantly because it, it's so good. It, it turns out that the, the real enemy is our imagination. Imagination, imagination. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so clever, cleverly written. And there's other episodes, a war, uh, war of a Warcraft one. What's yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, what, <laughs> which they made with. Blizzard Entertainment, so it, lo- it looks <laughs> like the actual game. <laughs> and the other one, make really love, like, love Warcraft. Right? Make love, love yeah. Warcraft. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And they end up the four boys end up in 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 the in the uh, in the basement of Cartman's mum's basement, trying to trying to yeah, trying to trying to make up points yeah, to defeat yeah. that that guy who. How do you feed someone who? How do you feed he who has no life? How do you? <laughs> kill, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, how do you kill Bitcoin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. The nerds, the nerds shall inherit the earth. Oh, oh yeah. But you should definitely check out the later seasons. And they, they started. I actually started a little bit yesterday. I got to admit, I started with the uh, episode uh, season twenty three, knowing knowing that we were going to do a podcast together. And I the rhyme about South Park, and I was like, lying, oh, lying, yeah, I was just, I was a bit tired. I was like, oh, I'm going to finally get into catching up. So yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's great. It, it hasn't lost its touch. Yeah. The other podcasts, people read up on the macro situation. And, uh, <laughs> I need to read uh, up. I need to catch for up this on one, you need situation. to catch up from, uh, or South Park. <laughs> yeah, but there are two, they, they, uh, Max Trey has signed uh, some huge contract with, uh, for like to make, I think 12, one hour movies or longer episode, like TV movies. I haven't read about that. That's uh, good news. Yeah, and they're still making like five more seasons, and they're they're in the midst of that. So they already made like half of that, and in some of those, like in two of those movie type things, uh, they mentioned Bitcoin, not in a very favorable light. Really? Because, because I think yeah, they 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 still haven't you know made the distinction between Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, right. So they may mention Bitcoin briefly, uh, and th- this is happening in the future. So, so there are future versions of every character, and uh, turns out that uh, Butters is in a mental asylum because he's an NFT salesman. 
<laughs> okay, well, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's you know ripped people off for left and right, and yeah, uh, and it's hilarious because it, it it's really good at poking fun of the, uh, at the crypto scene, at the larger crypto scene, which yeah, deservedly so. Like one thing I didn't yeah. like about about um, South Park is. In 2005, they took piss out, which was great. I thought it was great. They took the piss out of uh, Al Gore, Man Bear Pig, which was referencing climate change. They're saying yeah, it's a load of, yeah. it's load, well, which is a load of, um, you know, man-made climate with a load of bullshit. And then I think it was a few years ago, they, they kind of apologized and, they, and they, they, they did say that Man Bear Pig was a, was a problem, was an issue. And, yeah, uh, they... Maybe we were wrong. Type yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we were wrong. Which, uh, you know, so hopefully they'll do. Maybe we're wrong about Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see. But uh, I mean, even then, they didn't really take sides. They they never take sides. Not not fully, but they had. Yeah, maybe we. Yeah, yeah, true, true. There's quite a funny scene in that episode when when people there there's a family having a conversation at a restaurant and Mambo Pig is just slot eating people in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and they're discussing something completely arbitrary. So, so the, the humor is still there, regardless of what you think about the issue. Oh yeah, one I lost left uh, South Park it was uh, member berries. Oh yeah, yeah, member berries, that, brilliant. That was brilliant. yeah. That yeah. that became a, a huge meme. Yeah, uh, that that all. That's when they started experimenting with serialized content, right? So, so the whole the whole season is a. Uh, serialized yes in another way in a different way from previous seasons and it sort yeah, of fell, fell flat on its face at the end there because i think that's the season when they expected hillary to win and then yeah. trump won and trump is garrison and is mr garrison <laughs> it's not that's, it, that's it yeah <laughs> didn't really have a backup plan <laughs> we could discuss south park for hours on end yeah, did you see the concert they they did with the Primers and Ween? No. So they no. had a a 25th anniversary. Imagine that they've been going they've been doing this for 25 years now. And and they had a a a concert in Colorado with Primus. Uh, so so Les Claypool like Primus who made the theme song for South Park. Uh he, he was sort of toast mastering the whole thing or being the, like the head figure there and Matt and Trey are there and they're playing their instruments and playing all the South Park songs and the Team America songs and, you know, everything. And it's just brilliant. And they're, they're really, really skilled musicians. It's one of the better concerts I've seen in the last decade. <laughs> and it's hilarious, of course. Yeah, of course, Team America, whatever it's called, that film was 2005. That was brilliant. That was good. Yeah. Captain, whatever, it's not Captain America, whatever, you know, you know, what? Team America, is it Team America? Team America World Police. That's it, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, where they uh, make fun of all the actors uh, taking... Mad day. And Sean Penn, uh, who's, oh, who Sean wants to Penn. imprison unvaccinated people and stuff right now. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's really gone down the wrong path the poor guy poor guy i mean he was he's a fantastic actor remember him in, was it 21 grams and in really really fantastic roles and now he's giving his oscar to to, to zelensky yeah yeah oh, yeah actually it's quite fitting zelensky is yeah, a it's, brilliant act <laughs> 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 yeah 
he deserves an Oscar for sure. Yeah, but Sean Penn, uh, like, there are so many actors, brilliant actors, that are so confused politically. Like, uh, Hakeem Phoenix, for instance, he's a really talented actor, of course. Uh, but then he thinks it's, you know, the cow will take offense if we milk it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, so that's confusion. Well, that's why I thought Ricky Gervais, when he hosted the... I don't know the globe, the glo- uh, golden globe. Oh yeah, yeah. Or the or the Oscars. I don't forgot what it was. And he just took pisses. Like you know, you know. He says like, hey, don't get on stage. You know, if you win a reward, get on stage. Thank you, thank your gods and whatever. But you know, you're in no position to talk about politics or about every people's <laughs> everyday people life. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's been do- doing that a couple of times, and they yeah. keep inviting him back, and he takes the piss out of everyone. That's hilarious. So. Uh, back to back to where we were with the conferences and everything. So we'll yes. we'll see each other in Prague for sure. For, yeah, I'll um, probably be going to Miami. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, good. We'll see yeah. each other before. That's before. That's in. That's before. It, yeah, mid May. Yeah. Uh, what else is that? Is that like the first one? You're Maybe doing? I don't know. I uh, look. Um, I don't know if you saw Samson's tweet recently, but he said that he wants, as we both want to focus on we don't want to go to we don't want to do the the, the bitcoin conference tour because you know he's done that that's been done and it's yeah. great but it is preaching to the choir it's great for networking and stuff but really it takes up a lot of time and really we should be pushing outside of our circle and yeah trying trying to go to hostile grounds yeah so or- my our idea my idea is to try and penetrate the West. <laughs> so you're going to Davos then? Yeah, yeah hopefully. Well, no, we'll see. Not now. I don't think this time, but maybe, you know, in a few years, we'll try and we'll, we'll actually, as, 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 uh, Schwab says himself, as he, uh, as he said it himself, you know, he said, we benefited the cabinet talking about uh, oh, yeah. uh, the Canadian, the, Can- uh, the Canadian. Yeah, yeah. It's penetrational, right? Yes. Penetration. <laughs> so we're going to penetrate the West. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good a good luck with that. Yeah, because I, my understanding is like you know you go to the UEF is probably made up of uh, you know there's, there's probably about ten percent of them who really are that I want to say nefarious, but the guys are really trying to push that sort of real globalist agendas crap. Um, the other the other ninety percent or fifty percent or whatever percent is just there because it's it's the West and it's surrounded by rich people and you know your connections networking and it's a good place to try and push business and you know stuff like that. So if we can get to those guys, yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. Of course, yeah. Uh, and, you know, just it, fly under the radio with the other with the other with the other characters that everyone talks about, and I think it'll be fine. It'll be fine as long. Maybe. Maybe even get a maybe even get a meeting with one of the one of the big characters. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see that. I'm, the image I'm getting in my head at the moment is like that final scene from Return of the Jedi. It's, but <laughs> but but Klaus Schwab is Darth Vader with a mask off, and underneath the mask is Klaus Schwab. He looks like him. And you're Luke Skywalker. Oh, and, you. <laughs> and and Davos is burning down to the ground. And you're you're trying to save Klaus, who's just had a uh, heart failure from the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. And you said, "No, he hasn't taken it." But okay, you're leaning over him and saying, "Oh, there's still time to save you. I can still save you." And he says, "You already have." (laughs) And listen, and uh, he dies with laser eyes or something. Brilliant. 
You know, I would I would think it would be Darth Sidious would be Klaus Schwab, but that's just me. <laughs> yes. So so that's how democracy dies with thunderous applause. Uh, yeah, that's more fitting. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, this. It's tiered, so it's Darth Vader, Sidious, and then Klaus Schwab is the most evil uh, of the three. I don't know. Is he? <laughs> There's going to be worse. There's worse characters than, than, than Schwab out there. He's a face. He's just a face. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. but he looks the part. So that's the thing, especially when he's wearing those, you know, uh, what is that? What, okay. Who, okay. Who, there's, who is, who is no, uh, no, Yuval, no, Yuval Harari then? Who is he in, in Star Wars? Oh, who is he? He's probably Lando Calrissian because yeah. he uh, he was the hero for a while and then he sold out. <laughs> wasn't that the case? Yeah, even the Sapien book was had, was had question marks all over it. But then when did he sell himself out to to, to being? Uh, but when he started talking about programming people and yeah, how, it, it. yeah, calling us uh, calling most of humanity uh, useless eaters or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What, what a humanist. Uh, yeah. I mean, real Malthusian, just real, real beautiful Malthusianists, those guys are. They're such good people. It's so sad, though, when obviously, you know, good brains turn to, you know, give in to these collectivist narratives because it's sort of, I don't know what it is, but, but money? Probably. Money and Pro power. Probably. Well, money, money and power. What's the saying that absolute money uh, corrupts? What's the saying? You know better than me. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Uh, absolute power corrupts, corrupts. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And they, these guys have absolute power. But but I think I in in some cases it might be more. A lot of thinkers think about other things than you know human societies so they're really good at thinking about other stuff it's like an astrophysicist might not spend a lot of time with hopper and rothbard books but but uh so i think it's very easy for for uh, for people to 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 fall for the collectivist narratives and think that this is just the way the world is and yeah uh, we we they don't allow themselves to think in you know, more libertarian or voluntarist ways. And therefore they're, they're, they easily fall into that trap where and, they, and they think the, they're good, doing a good thing. That's the greater but, good trap. It's, yeah. It's yeah. The greater good trap. And, and then that thing in turn makes them enablers of really horrid shit that's coming down the line, of course. uh, like, like CBDCs and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, um, they don't, people just don't realize. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's, it's just the money and some, some evil guy gives, gives, a a, a public figure, a, a, a bag of cash. That's, that, that's like not enough. I, I, I think these people really think they're doing something good for, for the world by, by like imposing their views on others. Delusional. Yeah. It really is. Hey, Luke, can you tell our listeners a bit more about the Consensus Network, the platform that this show is on and the publishing house that publishes my books? What is the Consensus Network, Luke? 
Thanks, Knut. The Consensus Network is a Bitcoin-only publisher and translator. In other words, translates Bitcoin books into all sorts of languages. Anyone who's interested in translating a book into their language can get in touch with the Consensus Network to help translate and spread the Bitcoin message throughout the world. We have lots of great examples here. Knut's books are some of the most popular on the site. Check out consensus.network or bitcoinbook.shop to see everything that Consensus has to offer. That's bitcoinbook.shop. Use the affiliate code FOOTPRINT for 10% off. Knut, can you tell us about how to get in touch with you and find out more about your stuff and the things that you're involved in these days? Yeah, sure, Luke. So I'm at Knut Svanholm on Twitter. I also have a website, knutsvanholm.com, where you can find all of my books. There's a whole bunch of books. These old two ones, Sovereignty Through Mathematics and Independence Reimagined, are being rehashed into one book that's coming out with a foreword by Prince Philip. I'm also making a wine. I'm not making this wine, but this is a wine bottle with a Bitcoin B on it that you can sign up for on my website. And you can also find all sorts of everything divided merch if you're interested in that. So uh, that's how you support me. Talking about Rothbard, I actually finally read Anatomy of the States. Oh, that's great. That's, that's a great little book. Everyone should read that. That's, that's a good introduction to, to Rothbard. It's a good introduction to libertarian thought and to, to, in, uh, and Rothbard in particular. Finally uh, read it to, uh, two days, uh, flying back to Belgrade on the second flight. It's, it's a quick, it's a quick read and I'd like to read it again. Fantastic. Yeah. It's well put together. There's one yeah. chapter I need to read, definitely reread again. That's when it's how the state transcends its limits. But otherwise, yeah. what, what the state is, what it's not, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Punchy, punchy quotes in this. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of video renditions of it on YouTube, I believe. So if you Google anatomy of the state, you'll find uh, you find a bunch of videos that people made from the book and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good little book. The other one I want to read, oh wait, I'm going to get over here. Wait, wait. <laughs> here we go. Democracy, the God that failed. Oh yeah. Yeah. That uh, Hans Herman Harper. Yeah. That's Under a good one. Yeah. Have you read it? I, I have, but I, it's not my favorite Hopper book. So, so Hopper's written way better books than that. And having said that, it's a really good book. It's, uh, it's a tad re repetitive because like the, the chapters, uh, go through the, the same things so, over and over again. So well, that's good it, to dr drill the message. Yeah. But, but it's a, it's a, it's a very good book and you'll, you'll definitely like it because it, he points out why monarchies are better than democracies. Uh, do you agree? I do agree. Good. Yeah, <laughs> of course I do. But, but it's a hard, it's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. He it's also points, points out that, uh, monarchies are also not optimal, that there is an even better way. Well, what is the better way then? <laughs> Pure voluntarism, basically, yeah. that, that there's no coercive things going on at all. But the, 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 the thing I like about an anatomy of the state is like, the, the thing people don't get about, uh, libertarianism is like, there, there's a lot of people that think the state should be minimal and, um, Rothbard is very, very eloquently describes why that is just as a, a utopian idea. 
mm-hmm. as no as no state at all, uh, because over time states grow like cancers. Mm, yes, once the institutions are established, they're going to to fight for for their own survival, and they're going to grow. Of course, and the, they need more and more maintenance all the time, and more and more money. More and more, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Song said this in, in Argentina. I heard him over saying that uh, bureaucracy is a cancer. It's just a growing cancer. It is. And yeah. w- what's the quote? The bureaucracy is expanding to meet the needs of the expanding bureaucracy. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And, and it's always true. So, so it's, it's not that. And that, that's like the, the fallacy uh, in people when thinking about democracy. They think they can just vote for, as long as you just vote the bad guys out and the good guys in, uh, things will turn for the make a turn for the better, but it's not really true over a, over a long time span, uh, because over, over a long time span, uh, the bureaucracy needs to, <laughs> to meet the ends of the, yep. the expanding bureaucracy. And once an institution is established, you can't just fire those people. And furthermore, like it's, it's tampering with the market process and making everything less efficient. And then capitalism gets the blame. I wrote about this in the second book, uh, Independence Reimagined, why collectivists win. Because if, you, if you're, uh, the more individualistic you are in your, in, in your thoughts and how you, how you think countries should be run, the less prone you are to, to, to vote for uh, the same party as every other individualist. Like if you get 10 individualists in a room, they'll probably vote for 10 different parties. Yeah. But if you get 10 collectivists in a room, they'll vote, all vote for the same parties. <laughs> so collectivists win elections because they're, yeah, of course. they're more concerned with belonging to a certain group than they are with what that group is actually saying. Uh, so so there's, there, there are so many things to this. And, and uh, also, if you have a wealth, any wealth redistribution scheme, including uh, point taxes and subsidies mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, inevitably leads to people on the receiving end of those tend to vote for more of those. Yes, so exactly. It, yeah, and it, yeah it, uh, Hopper describes it uh, very uh, eloquently in, in Democracy, the God That Failed. If you disincentivize productivity and incentivize unproductivity, you're going to get more people to be unproductive and le- fewer people to be productive. And that's that's just the same thing. There's so many things about that in in Hopper's writing about incentives that it, he, he, it's. This is what I really want to get into. Um, uh, do you know uh, Michael Goldstein Bitstein? Of course. Yeah, I he met is, him for the first time in real life in uh, at Saifedean's dinner. I, in I, yeah, ex- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I met him as well for the first time, only time. But we've been we've been talking a lot, and he wants to help me or uh, or um, help me with my rabbit hole on Austrian economics. He used to come out with a uh, with um, with a new um, Substack, um, basically the Bitstein. I think it's the Bitstein report or something. What is it? Uh, oh, uh, that's interesting. Uh, the Bitstein brief. The Bitstein brief is yeah. The Bitstein brief, and he's just. Had, I think he's only written two articles, but he's going to start writing a lot of them. He just came out December last year, so, and he. He, uh, he's, he's a, he has had a, he's a brain in Austrian economics. I mean, a lot of things as well, but, uh, 
I'm looking forward to going down my Austin economics uh, rabbit hole, and he's going to help me along the way. Excellent. excellent. We're going to read Democracy of the God That Fells together. He's, we're just going to, yeah, he wants to read that again after, after several years. So it's, it's going yeah. to be fun. The best Hopper book in my mind is one called uh, Economic Theory and the Austrian Method. Okay. So it has the most boring title ever. It's not going to lure anyone in, but it's an excellent book. Uh, such an eye opener on you know how how powerful deductive reasoning is uh, compared to empiricism. Maybe you don't know this, but I'm writing a book on praxeology yes, at the moment. Yes. Uh, yes. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that and making that turning that into a course where we're doing a praxeology course. Well, once the book is done, or maybe even a bit before that, uh, via the Emeralize app, which is a really interesting. We had that guy Santos who makes the Emeralize uh, platform uh, on this show uh, last week, right? Luke uh, was one of the recent the the, the latest episodes was came out on uh, on yeah. Jan third actually, so coincidentally Jan, th- Jan three. <laughs> oh yeah, right, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and li- uh, which is like, launched by yeah. the way is uh, so they they just recently launched and uh, no, it's 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 a great uh, idea like an education platform powered by lightning basically in a nutshell so uh, yeah really excited i think uh, we we've got the bug over here about uh, uh what they're doing over at MLS. okay cool yeah so I'll look into it but while we're doing the shills we can uh, so we can mention the the rest of the stuff orange yeah, pill app orange yeah. pill app is is uh, supporting the show Orange Pill app is, 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 I was meant to speak to the guy in Orange Pill app. It's basically helping Bitcoiners connect together, uh, across the world. Absolutely. And so, so it's, uh, it can be used as a dating app, but it's not primarily a dating app, uh, except for bromances in saunas yeah. between Bitcoin. It would have helped me when I, when I came out. Yeah, that would be a dangerous yeah. combina- uh, combination. Yeah, enough. <laughs> so, so you find uh, basically it's yeah, uh, you, uh, you don't give out that much information about yourself, but your approximate um, location. So, so you can find bitcoiners within your area, uh, in your town, or in and uh, you can decide for yourself how big that circle is going to be. Right. And and you find other Bitcoiners, and it's it's not free, so so it's it costs you like three dollars a month or something, uh, to, just to because if it's free, you're the product, right? So there's it, it to avoid having it overloaded with spam and bots and shitcoiners. So uh, it's trying to connect Bitcoiners across the world, and yeah, it's uh, moving rapidly. Uh, what else are you gonna shill? <laughs> what else are you gonna shill? We're we gonna shill shill my stuff. We'll shill, the, <laughs> but that's well, obvious. Oh yeah, I'm writing yeah. the forward to your book. I don't think we. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing yes. a rehash of my rehash. first two books. Yeah, this is this is the big announcement, right? Uh, so we're doing the uh, uh, a rehash of sovereignty through mathematics and independence reimagined, which is my middle Bitcoin book that nobody knows about, but that's where the one shot principle is from. Where uh, which is uh, has spread around Twitterers, yeah. yeah, about how absolute scarcity could only be discovered once. And that's uh, what I love. I mean, that's so true. Oh, thank I you. See what I, I use quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, but uh, it's absolutely logical. Anything after that is just inflation. Yeah. A copy of a resistant, a yeah. yeah. The, the the very thing discovered, what's the one-shot principle? I, I see if I can remember it on top of my head. Uh, absolute mathematical scarcity achieved by uh, consensus in a sufficiently decentralized distributed network was a discovery rather than an invention. It cannot be discovered again because the very thing discovered was resistance to replicability itself. Brilliant. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that and sovereignty to mathematics, which is sort of my breakthrough book, uh, is being rehashed and put together as one book. Uh, uh, so it's an actual book now that can have hard covers and stuff instead of two pamphlets. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to write the forward for it. And I'm What's uh, our final looking forward to quite, quite amazing, actually, given that your uh, your take on on some on monarchy in the book as well. There's a few things against against monarchy, but I try and other things against monarchy in my yeah, book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will have against, to. It's just against authoritarianism, really, against you know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well I, but it, well, well, it's a rehash, Philip. So we can yeah. we can rewrite a couple we of sections here. <laughs> Nothing's perfect apart from Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, which is damn near perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's not perfect. What, what's that quote? I think it's one of Tober Strollite's quotes. Uh, Bitcoin is never needed to be perfect. It just needed to be good enough to last forever. Yeah, that's it. But it's um, that's what Adam Back did once. Is he he spent a few months seeing if he can improve Bitcoin? Yeah, but he found later I mean, after spending a few months doing this, he found out that uh, every uh, every feature of Bitcoin, if uh, if you try and prove any feature of Bitcoin, it's going to come come at the expense of another feature. Yeah, and so it just sits on an engineering sweet spot. Yeah, there's always a trade off. That, yeah. That's to me, that's perfect. That's perfect because really, at the end of the day, it's it, it uh, yeah, it's slow. It's slow. I mean, not slow. It's 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 clunky. It's slow. It's but it's strong as as strong as it can be because that's the security side of it and you need it to last forever and that's yeah. the beautiful part of it yeah and that's uh, ties into jeff booth's explanation with that like a blockchain can solve th two out of three problems and it's yeah. uh scalability security and decentralization and it can only you can choose two that you can focus on but now you have to do that at the expense of the third one mm. So, uh, and Bitcoin focused on security and de decentralization and had to give up scalability because of that. So that's why you can uh, approximately only do seven transactions per second on the Bitcoin base layer. But then again, after SegWit was in introduced, we, we got the Lightning Network and now scalability is it's, it's solved. A it's a solved. It's a yeah, and, and all the other blockchains had to sacrifice the, either decentralization or uh, security for for scalability and in sacrificing one of those you sacrifice the other as well exactly well yeah, you, so. you said it very eloquently there better than i could so thank you <laughs> so maybe just to even pull things back even right to the beginning here uh, it's just a quick little uh, do you mind going over a little bit about your background philip and and also oh, yes of course and then maybe just tie that into bitcoin a little bit too and yeah <laughs> where, where do I start? Where, how far back? Where do the uh, where did the uh, how did the Karadjordjevic dynasty begin? Okay, okay, that's start from the very beginning. Very beginning, eighteen oh four is the key date. 
This is when Cara Giorgia, he was an affluent uh, livestock merchant, uh, pig farmer. So this was during the time when Serbia was under Ottoman Empire rule. We were slaves of the Ottomans. You know, we had to pay our dues to the Ottomans, our, our taxes to the Ottomans, and we, but we were still allowed to, to live. <laughs> but it was tough. And he led the first resistance uprising against the Ottomans. He, he was a general to the army, and he got together an army and led the first uprising against the Ottomans. There was a subsequent second uprising led by the Obrenovich, Obrenovich dynasty later on in 18, 18, seven, nine, 17 or 19. But it's what Karadjordje's dynasty, um, Karadjordje was the one who led the first uprising, which led, which led to the liberation of Serbia. And you can see in the, in this, in the, in the map of, uh, of the Ottoman Empire, all of a sudden in, after 1804, just pop, Serbia just appears and becomes its own autonomous state. Then his son, one of his sons, Alexander, Alexander Karadjordjevich was, so Karadjordje and in Serbian, Vich is the son of, son of a bitch. So, I mean, son of, <laughs> son All right. of yeah, Vich, that's how the Vich comes so in. So you, in, in an Arab country, you would have been, been Karadjordje. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Um, Karadjordje's son in Swedish. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Karadjordje's yeah. son. Yeah. Uh, um, get it. Get it. <laughs> What happened? So he, Alexander Karadjordjev is the one who founded the dynasty and he was Knez Alexander of uh, Karadjordjevic, which, because technically Serbia was a principality state of the, of the Ottoman Empire. Then the Brenovich is quite complicated. The Brenovich family was then afterwards the, um, the, the dynasty. Then they were sort of murdered away, murdered off in them in some sort of some sort of uh, assassinations happened because they weren't very popular. And in, eight, and in 1903, my King Peter I was, became the king of Serbia. And he promised the people that he would move Serbia away from Austro-Hungarian um, dependence. Well, not dependence, sorry. There was, uh, he would move him away from Austro-Hungarian sort of and move it towards more Western and Russia, uh, Western and Russia trade. This was... Huge undertaking that he managed to pull off at the, at the dismay of the Austrian Hungarian Empire, but he pulled it off that we became more of a, more of a sovereign state. But then when he died, King Alexander, his son, um, the King Alexander I was the one who's, who formed Yugoslavia. Who first, it was first the kingdom of, 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 uh, Serbian, Slo uh, Slo Croats and Slovenes. And that was basically to, to unite the people, the, 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 Slo the Slavs together, um, to form a stronger nation against, against the Austrian Hungarians. And that then formed into this, into the, into, into Yugoslavia later on. Um, he was assassinated in 1934. His cousin became the standing king because my grandfather, King Peter, was too young at the time, 13 years old. But then by the time my grandfather became of age, it was already pretty much a second world war. And that's when lovely communism was really becoming a thing around, around Europe, around the world. And this is when the Brits decided to support Tito over, over my family because they saw interest because Yugoslavia during the twenties and thirties was becoming, was, well, was very, very successful, very wealthy, a lot of asset creation. 
a lot of noblicity coming out, a lot of wealth. And so the Brits, this is something that Brits couldn't really control. So who are they going to support in the Second World War afterwards? They were looking to see how, you know, they were looking to see how the geopolitics politics could be working on their side. Was if you, it was easier to support a failing, a failing um, socialist republic than a very successful Yugoslav empire. Essentially, it was an empire, in, 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 relatively speaking. So my father was born 1945 in exile in, in, in London. And then I was born, my older brother was born 1980. I was born 1982 in Washington with my twin brother. We lived in, in, the, in Washington for a few years. Then my parents separated. I moved, we, my brothers and I moved to Spain with my mother. My mother remarried. And then we moved, my brothers and I moved to London with my father and stepmother. And then in 2000, 2001, when Milosevic got ousted, that's when uh, we were given our citizenship back to, the, to, uh, to Yugoslavia, or Serbia, Montenegro at the time. And that's when my father then moved in, into the palace there. Still, it's still, all, all our property was uh, confiscated, confiscated, or so, should I say stolen. And it still is still um, confiscated to this day. But my father is, lives in the palace in, in Belgrade and with my stepmother. And then I married, I met my wife and married her in 2017. We had a son, Stefan, in 2018. And in 2020, my wife and I moved back to Belgrade. My wife is Serbian, Danica, Dana for short. And we, and we live in downtown Belgrade. And, and then here we are today. <laughs> When you say your property was stolen, is that like a, a bunch of castles or what yeah, is that? Well, it's more than just, more than just, uh, land, but, uh, we had gold mines as well. Oh yeah. 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 We had, uh, we had a couple of gold mines. We had a lot of land we had in Bel in Belgrade, we had two palaces there, there's, there are the two palaces on the same ground in Dedinia, which is like on the hills of Belgrade. That's where my father lives in one of those. Around Ser around Yugoslavia and Slovenia, there was a lake palace, Vila Bled. In Montenegro, there was um, Miloče, which is the beach beach palace, beach property. And then there was some other lands and, and farms and gold mines and just lo you know, lots of lots of property that was taken away from us by the communists. That's that's quite um, the story. I mean, <laughs> luckily for for your family, the forthcoming generations will just have to remember twelve words and. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they won't need no gold mines. What a story. So, so that guy, where were we there? Like in the beginning of the 19th century, the guy that got assassinated there, what, what was his name? Uh, well, actually my, my Cara Georgia was the first one who led the uprising in Cara Georgia. The first Cara Georgia was, which was, um, he, he was, he was finally assassinated. It took about seven attempts to, to kill him and he was finally axed down. Oh shit. So, so a lot of your ancestors got assassinated. Yeah. But it was my great grandfather, Alexander, King Alexander the first who assassinated in Marseille yeah. in 1934, when he visited Marseille and he was received by the foreign minister at the time. And he was the first actually assassination cause on camera. Oh, that's, yeah. that's quite the story. Like Game of Thrones type series one day. Yeah. <laughs> Over the generations. So out of. Curiosity, what is the role of the monarchy now? So there is no official role, but it's just recognition by the people because a lot of people um, here recognize Karadjordjevic as the, I mean, like, 
the Count of Georgia is the father of, of, of Serbia. As one of the forefathers of Serbia and the monarchy was, was, was also a memorable good time. And a lot of people think, think that it shouldn't have been abolished. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of support for monarchy here. I mean, I think, you know, there was probably about 30, 40% would, would probably voted back right now. And maybe about 30, 40% are indifferent. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of respect. And my wife and I are doing a lot of work to try and uh, promote the monarchy again as an alternative to what's happening these days. And, and we're trying to just connect the old with the new. You know, this is why I love Bitcoin because Bitcoin brings us back to what hard money is about. Bitcoin brings us back to uh, understanding the need for hard, sound money. And it's, it, and it's, and it's future. It's modern. It's, it's a new, it's, it's the latest, it's a new discovery. And monarchy, it's an old thing. Yes. But it's, it, as we, as we discussed earlier on, that monarchy is, it's a very logical way of, of governing a prosperous, uh, country, state or something. I mean, it's, it has a lot of benefits over democracy. Yeah. If monarchy would be introduced back in Serbia, it would be, it would be a constitutional monarchy. But uh, I would take that because that would actually add an extra check on the powers that are happening over here as an extra, as another establishment, really. So I find that uh, the state here has become too strong. It's like most of the, most of other republics around the world. I mean, most democracy, any democracy around the world is that the government overreach is, it's a huge issue over here. You talk about anything over here and you, and when I, when I, my wife and I speak about any, any issue over here, we're instantly labeled as, uh, as opposition because it's, it's become, become very political, but that's the problem. We're not talking about the politics or the state itself. We're just talking about issues. <laughs> and I don't know, we've come out of the age right now where everything is politics. And if you say anything that goes against the, the flow, the narrative, then you're a dissident. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. really hard to start. I mean, Sweden is a constitutional monarchy. Yes. The, the king is the official head of state, even though it's not really participant. It's, it's more ceremonial. It. Yes. It's more ceremonial, but, but as you say, it sort of keeps things in checks. And that's like, goes for all the monarchies, uh, old monarchies of Europe. So I, I, I think they're, uh, at least on paper, they're more robust over time. Well, of uh, course. Look at, yeah. look at in the Arab, in the, in the Arab peninsula, in the Arab world, you can see that the monarchies are much more stable than, uh, than the republics and the non-monarchies over there. You look at the monarchies there, look at, um, Oman, UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Jordan. These countries are, are extremely stable over time, over the last hundred, 200 years. But then you look at countries like Iraq and Syria. I think Syria was a monarchy for about, for about, for, for less for like a year, apparently, but that was, that didn't really work out. But, uh, yeah, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon. These countries have had huge issues, only exacerbated in the last hundred years by central banking. This is this is very interesting. And the the, the Hopper book you showed bef before, the democracy, the god that failed. It's this this is the great taboo subject because we're all brainwashed for at least twelve years in all Western democracies that democracy is crucial to, to society and that there are no alternatives and that this is progression. Completely brainwashed. Yeah. People, yeah. If, you, if you speak against democracy, you are a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one thing you you're not allowed to criticize at you all. You can't criticize. Democracy is yeah. painted with the most beautiful 
yeah, yeah. colors and everything, you know, it's painted with the, with the LGBTQ flag. It's beautiful. It's, it's yeah. something that you can never go against because it's the, the, the choice of the people and stuff. But really when it comes down to when you do the logic, when you do some reasoning, some logical reasoning behind it, it, it fails. It will fail over time. Every democracy yeah, yeah. will fail. You, you, it doesn't remove the incentive the uh, ruler has to, to loot everyone else, but rather it enhances it because they only have four years to loot as much as they can. Yes. So and they don't have to think of the future the way a monarch has. That's basically the ar- argument. In of Hobbes course, it's, it's yeah, high time preference over low time preference monarch way of thinking. What a monarchy has to, if he wants to, if that monarchy dynasty wants to survive 100, 200 millennia, yeah. he has to make a decision that his, his, his offspring will have to bear that, that, that any decision he makes. Yeah. So he has to be very careful uh, with the decisions. So. Yeah. This is what, yeah, he will he often make the right decisions. Yeah. And then the, the counter argument is often like, what about if you get King Joffrey from Game of Thrones that just wants to assassinate everyone? And, uh, <laughs> and the answer to that is, well, y- you get that in the democracy as well. If, <laughs> like, look, look at Hitler, for instance, he was <laughs> voted into power. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so, you, so that issue is not solved by democracy. But even within the mon- within the monarchy, people think it's quite it's it, the monarchy is very centralized. But within the monarchy, the family is actually quite decentralized, and there's there there are checks within the family. There are yeah there are, yeah. So there's so, ways of li- mitigating such such a Joffrey a Joffrey situation. A, a, a drop of something in a bowl of soup somewhere will yeah. solve that problem. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Although a little more on the current uh, events, uh, the the monarchy in the UK is currently having their own kind of crisis with some of the, those machinations being made a little bit more public and whichever side of the uh, the hairy whatever issue you, you fall on exactly, it's it's quite interesting to see how the royal family there sort of performed prophylaxis against uh, mm. things going against the the not even just the way of doing things uh well in my view a little bit more of a um an internal disruption uh, like harry and megan trying to disrupt things but yeah yeah harry and megan we want to be left alone then next series interview oprah winfrey <laughs> yeah we want to be <laughs> i understand where they're coming from but no yeah there's no, I don't think I don't I don't think they should be. I think that's selling out. You know, they're getting signing hundred million dollar deals and just basically just talking talking shit. I'm sure something I'm sure I'm sure they have yeah, they do have some points, but this is the way they'll go about doing it. You don't you don't sell out like that. That's not respectful. The funny thing about the the British monarchy as well is that they're they're another one of those monarchies that that really doesn't have a lot of proper power, even though maybe there was some uh, recently, maybe there was more than people really understood. They but- have the right to annex. They have the right to overturn some stuff. I think one of the last times they actually exercised that power was against um, Alan Turing. I think they overturned that, saying that he was not that. You know, Alan Turing was 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 take was uh, convicted for being gay, and they overturned yeah. they overturned that, and they pardoned a lot of people and things like that. But. Uh, but uh- yeah, they, they uh, <laughs> but the queen recently passed queen in uh, in the UK. She's been like the anchor for that civilization for the past. What what is it? She survived like 
32 different uh, it was the 16, prime 16 different prime ministers uh, 16 yeah, that's yes. <laughs> the, the answer to the pub quiz question is list <laughs> russ who was this six shortest lived uh also the shortest reigning prime minister as well uh, on yeah. record oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah not 32 16 that's another uh, take it 16 uh, yeah yeah, really? probably makes more sense than 32. <laughs> she, she was old, but she was not that old. <laughs> the point I was trying to get at, though, with, the, with kind of this monarchy, the, the powers they have are, are quite limited. And, Very limit, limited, yes. And, and, well, and then they have this whole commonwealth as well, where they're technically also the monarch, but might as well not even be there. Canada, where, where I'm from originally, is is still quite monarchistic in terms of kind of having the symbology, but now is that kind of transitioning over? It's There's a little bit of, I would say, national identity is the only thing that kind of keeps monarchism around. And it, it's also troublesome, kind of hard in for Canada, being this nation where so many people have come from all over the world and only a small pop, part of the population is originally English. And, uh, and, and so I, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that the... Uh, the purpose of monarchy these days seems to be some combination of this national identity thing, but really people don't necessarily want monarchy to have power versus now you're, you're also talking about that uh, as a check on the state, which, which in, in some sense would actually turn into similar to what the U.S. has with the executive branch and the pre uh, presidential-based system, mm. essentially. Is it, what is your take on kind of this this um, national identity versus the the potential that a monarchy could do with just a little bit more power? Well, firstly, democracies, as we talked about before, is they have that very high time preference way of only thinking about getting voted in in the next in the next election, and in during that during that term, they try and take as much as they can. To secure their future. So I would say, you know, you take a, it's not, it's not really taking away the democracy. You would, yes, it is taking away them. It's moving to a more voluntarism system, like an anarcho capitalist system, right? And you would have a monarchy in place there. And this monarchy would have, would only, it's, it's more of a caretaker of, of, um, of customs and, and, and traditions. And it acts as that continu uh, continuity and unity of, of people. Because people at the end of the day, if you just left, to, I, I believe that if you just left to just pure volunteerism over time, you would, you might end up losing what the, uh, uh, people might end up losing their, uh, their identity over time. And I think people like that identity. That's what brings people together. If I may here, Philip, because yes, please, there's, there's some Hopper writing about this in a, uh, the short history of man, another a, a recent uh, a, a Hopper book I read recently, and the closest thing to pure voluntarism that existed is what led to democracy uh, to monarchies later down the later down the line, uh, sort of when you had feudal lords and city states all over Europe. Th that preceded uh, okay. kingdoms, and in those societies, you know, like uh, when when everything uh, when anything uh, criminal happened, when when there was a violation, like the elders of the town or the the most noble, the nobility of the town were tasked with judging uh, whoever the the criminal was. Uh, but then that uh, at, when monarchies arrived on the scene, that power so that. 
the the king sort of became the the, the central bank of the of the feudal era. Like uh, he was mm. the the uh, uh, above the law in that sense, which these lords weren't really, because they uh, if if someone did something out of the ordinary, the other lords could like ex- expel him or or something. So that's that's the view of history there. So so what happens then is that when when kings arrive on the scene, this this is the like the critique of monarchies because what happens when you centralize power to the king is that uh, over time he can grant himself more and more privileges of uh, how to conduct law uh, or how the legal system in in that area should work in that country should work. So he could influence uh, courts which uh, over time led to the monarch uh, having more and more power in in many countries which which is totally natural and in the end that sort of leads to democracy and leads mm. to oh we need we, it's getting so centralized now so that we need this facade of the people's will and then it, of course it gets even worse after that and the state grows so so it's it's sort of like every other bureaucratic institution that it tends to grow like a cancer over time, even though the process is way slower in a monarchy than in a democracy, which is like accelerating all that bureaucracy, bureaucratic cancer. But what accelerated it? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Like the point is that a, sort of a voluntarist society it preceded everything, and like in the beginning, we were just we were yes either true. either just. Uh, Interact voluntary with one another, or killing one another off. We were born naked. Yeah, we were born naked into this world. (laughs) Yeah, and some some order. Of course, all of these political systems or systems of rule, uh, of course, led to more stability. But we haven't really tried. Do you you think that Bitcoin helps to make monarchy even a better choice? I think Bitcoin allows you to be your own monarch, and, that is true. Yeah. and it allows you to 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 knight your children into lords and ladies, because what you're doing when you're putting up a, a what you're effectively doing when you're putting up a, a Bitcoin inheritance plan is that you make sure that you you sort of dub your children to lords and ladies and telling them that the you. You inherit this wealth that I have. Mm-hmm. You're going to inherit it, and this is the family uh, wealth, and it cannot be confiscated over time. So, so it's it's basically giving each and every one of us the same power as only those that were knighted had back in the day. Correct. Yeah, uh, 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 which is a beautiful thing because those responsible, those the the, the people that are most responsible. <laughs> Will will use this and will will thrive from it. And of course, the, but, the, but the the more reckless you are, the less you have to to gain here. But that's how freedom works. It's uh, freedom comes at at uh, with great freedom comes great responsibility. Yes, as as Lord Spiderman once said. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't be free, you, if you can be freedom and reckless, and then you'll lose your freedom. But if you're freedom and responsible, you will keep your freedom. I think the interesting thing about this talk of voluntarism, I liked what you said, Philip, about that uh, monarchy could be the, what do you say, the, the safeguard of tradition or something? Like no. that. Sort, sort of an anchor. Traditions, an yeah. anchor, yes. So the, this anchor 
if it has value and people in a, a certain area decide that there's value in having this anchor, as you mm-hmm. put it, yeah. then the, yeah. then the monarchy is actually a, a, is something that people find value in and can choose to support voluntarily, right? Yes, yep. correct. And um, pay pay minimal taxes or no taxes too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the second. That's the second part of this is that is yeah. that I think in the under a Bitcoin based system, the the ability for anyone to have the seniorage and uh, be close to the money printer and get benefit from that, which I I think has something to do with monarchy in the past being seen as or actually being overly authoritarian because mm-hmm. they have that lever at the disposal there. If that's not in anyone's hands at all, then and and it's not in the hands of uh, of anyone monarchy or something like that, then then the real purpose I think can can come out and is much more palatable. Yes, well, oh. well, well put. Yeah, uh, the 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 Swedish monarchy, a constitutional monarchy. Like I think there's a, a more than seventy percent of the population are for for it. So they're pro monarch uh, constitutional monarchy. So the so the king and the queen and the uh, of course Princess Victoria are uh, and her sister are and her brother are very popular, and so people love monarchs and uh, the, the tradition and the history and the tabloids and <laughs> everything else surrounding it. Of course they they like it, uh, and in a way you can say it's sort of voluntarist because they like it because because the monarchs don't meddle with the political affairs so in a constitutional monarchy the king doesn't really meddle with politics and i think that's a huge part of why the people like it like uh, if if there was a, a an absolute ruler who said you can't do this and you can't do that then they wouldn't like it as much so it's sort of popularized by of a, a, a voluntary uh, yeah thing. You, you see where i'm getting at i see and i yeah. see what you're getting but that yeah but that whole yeah but then the last one we were taught that uh, absolute monarchies are, are, are resemble dictatorships. Yeah, but they can't yeah. be because I think no, the, in uh, uh, in the they would basically if you just remove the political layer completely and yes. democracy and all that, it wouldn't be that dif- no, that much different. The, no. the monarch would still have to just mind his own business and do not yeah. meddle with things. That's the whole anyway. idea of how, why a monarchy works. It yeah. has to mind its own business, and it has to you know if a monarchy a monarchy wants to be successful, it has taken enough from the people. Because yeah. if it takes any more, then there will be social unrest. Yeah, and then there will be pitchforks and torches. Pitchforks. And, uh, we don't want pitchforks yeah. and torches. No. Yeah, and pronouns. No, and then we'll be vastly pronounced. The 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 uh, the taboo uh, uh, around democracy. The the thing is that over time, more and more things tend to be taboo in a yes. democracy. So yes. so you have democracy itself first, but now it's all these other things like the climate or pronouns or whatever. You you can't really. That's the collective uh, the collective mindset. It just yeah. it, it just what's the word? It it multiplies. It does. It does. Yeah. It, um, it yeah. grows like a cancer. Grows like a cancer. Yeah, exactly. You either you either understand history or you trust the government. You can't do both. Oh, that's a good quote. Yeah. Yeah, history is subjective. When I was speaking to people today, it's like, oh, this time it's different, you know, about Ukraine war, about, you know, oh, things yeah, yeah. like that. Oh, this time it's different. But, you know, but you understand that the history, the governments, you never actually, had, all the governments in the past have always done yeah, something yeah. bad. No, but this time it's different. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like the the other one. Like we never had pure capitalism, and we never had pure communism. But almost capitalism lifted a lot of people out of poverty, and almost communism killed almost everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> which direction do you want to pull this? <laughs> oh, but the communists would say that capitalism killed more put more people. I it, of course they would. Yeah. 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 Which is which is insane. Like people interacting voluntarily kills people. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But look at the U.S. Yeah. But that's not capitalism. That's at not. all. It's a planned economy. They have the Federal mm. Reserve, FFS. Like, yeah, yeah, we have yes, planned economy, crony capitalism. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But we we all know that, of course. Yeah. This is a Freedom Footprint show. <laughs> oh, I've got to say that I love, the, I love the Freedom Footprint. I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's from the, uh, it's from the book. Uh, it just... Took it from the Everything Divided book, uh, the Freedom Dioxide. Thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to ask you about uh, Crown Princess Victoria. You know her, right? Oh yes, she's uh, actually the. Uh, she was the um, best one, best lady, I have to say, of uh, to my wife. Oh, oh yeah, I saw pictures yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, nice. No, so, yeah, we communicate, and she's well. Hopefully, we'll go visit Sweden one day. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was hoping for Spain again, but we're not about Spain, of course. But yeah, if there's a big if there's a big conference happening in Spain and I get invited and you go, well, yeah, let's let's make that happen. Yeah, let's make it happen. Let's let's make all of this. Let's make all of it happen. That's that's the motto here. That's what we do. Well, and and so I mean, it's been great uh, initially with the big kind of conference tour and hearing about everything you've been doing post coming out as a Bitcoiner. Mm-hmm. I like the terminology. And then, uh, well, I, I don't even think we we really heard nearly as much about uh, exactly what you're doing with Jan three and all this. So basically, what I'm trying to queue up is that uh, we'll have to have you on again. Yeah, uh, that's that's perfect. That's yeah. let's do that. And in a, in a few, oh, yeah, I'll be yeah, happy to come back on. And you have to, uh, well, uh, I think I can reach Samsung. We, we should have Samsung on as well. Yeah. Reach out Maybe to we yeah. you, you yeah. both together even. Oh, we'll love to do yeah. that. And talk about Jan 3. I think that's a good idea. Excellent. Well, so, so can you, can you just tell, uh, our, our listeners, uh, viewers where they could follow you, Jan 3, get in touch if they're interested in getting involved? Uh, sure. So I'm on Twitter as. Prince Philip one, but that's P R I N C F I L I P one, the number one. Um, Jan three is it's at Jan three com, capital J A N three, and then small C O M. And we're also on Instagram. I forget. I'm not going to go into that, but I think those two are 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 good enough for now. Wonderful. I'll make sure to find the correct links and uh, put them in the description. Thank and you. Th- thanks again, Philip, for joining us. It's been a great conversation. And uh, any anything anything last you'd like to mention? Thank you very much for having me. It's been a very fun conversation. And I'd like to say that uh, keep on learning about Bitcoin. I'm learning about it all the time, discovering it every moment. And it's it's a beautiful journey that I that I'm that continuing and hopefully teaching other people on the way. Beautiful. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. And uh, as always, you know, uh, 
Philip. I, I love these conversations. We, when we start talking, we tend to never stop, do we? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all the best and all the good, good luck with everything in the future. And, uh, we'd love to have you on soon again and looking forward to everything, looking forward to the forward and looking forward to, uh, all the conferences and yeah, hopefully we'll re meet in real life soon again. I look forward to it. <laughs> Great. Hey, this has been the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks a lot and see you next time.